0: Welcome back to the PolicyViz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode because this week I'm very excited to be chatting with Neil Halloran, who is a documentary filmmaker, a DataViz artist, a DataViz extraordinaire, has done a number of fantastic pieces, which I'm sure you've seen. um, The Fallen from a couple years ago and his new piece, The Shadow Piece, which is going to be a multi-part data documentary. Um, Really interesting. And I'm excited to talk to him about all the pieces that go into creating these films. So, Neil, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, how are things going? Things
1: are, are going well. You know, I just having just launched uh, that shadow piece one after two years, I'm just kind of in a daze. Uh, right. But I'm getting getting my, my stuff together and, and thinking about what's next. So,
0: I bet, I bet. And this is going to be a multi part film series, right?
1: That's right. And I don't even I don't even know how many parts it's going to be, but it will be multi part. There's a lot that I worked on earlier that i figured i'd I'd want to kind of push out into later episodes so i know what the next part is but it gets foggier as as it goes on exactly what's going to come next
0: well the piece is really cool and the fallen also is really cool and i I want to talk about those uh in some detail but maybe we can start by having you talk a little bit about your background and and why these documentary films are the way in which you like to uh talk about data and visualize data all right so um I guess as for
1: background, uh, since college, I've been doing kind of a, a night job, day job thing. Where uh, the day job has been a, a web business that my brother and I run together, uh, and then I've been trying to create documentaries uh, for years. And, and really, the first one that I ever finished was the Fall of World War II. I spent years working on one about uh, airstrikes uh, that got into kind of the ethics of, of drones and airstrikes that I, I just couldn't finish. So it was going to be a, a full featured one. But, uh, but with the Fallen, I kind of got pulled into World War II, having gotten into the, the the bombing of World War II, and I wanted to try to tell the story of this war that has been you know covered in so many different ways. Uh, but with a, like a numbers first, data first way. But I definitely am interested in, in using data, but to, to tell very emotional and, and kind of cinematic uh, stories, and with you know using full musical score and all that to kind of really. Uh, give as much drama as possible to, to in this case, numbers that really warrant the drama, especially when you're talking about you know, huge uh, quantities of, of human loss. Uh, so that's why I, I got into to doing that piece. And then I just want to just keep going with it and and also try to tell optimistic stories about uh, some of the, the, the progress that's being made. Uh, and that's partly where the shadow piece kind of gets more into that as it goes to try to figure out what factors are are determining or maybe seem to determine or the numbers hint that they determine, uh, more, more peaceful outcomes. Uh, so we can perhaps, you know, learn from that and, and try not to repeat mistakes and, and, kind of keep moving in, in this, in this direction that at least the parts of the direction that that are working.
0: Right. When you think about, uh, creating a, a film like this, how do you think about reaching an audience through the film versus reaching an audience through a, you know, a static graph, not quite, but like a series of interactive graphs, graphics, or a data tool or something that you might see on, you know, the Guardian or the Post or the New York Times. I mean, how do you think about communicating that information to an audience? And how does it differ in in the format that you're using?
1: Well, so I I definitely uh, strive to create emotional experiences, right? And and so, uh, and emotional experiences where you're the source of your emotion is is something that's quantitative a statistic versus um, the story of an individual uh, so uh, and that's kind of a trick right because generally speaking the best way of invoking emotion is to use empathy try to you know see the world through through someone else's eyes and kind of feel what they would that person would feel uh, And so creating emotion for a mass of people or, or a huge quantity of victims, is something that, is that something I, I think is really important to me to try to figure out how to do. I think it's an important thing for us as data-driven storytellers to figure out how to do. Uh, I think without using emotion, I think it's very hard to compete with either the news or other forms of media that kind of takes advantage of of emotional stories and, and, and kind of oftentimes lets these kind of be it the red meat kind of stories or uh, very politically charged stories, people who are using to kind of really use emotion and fear, let them, you know, steal all, all, all the airwaves and the, and the internet traffic. So I think that, you know, it's so important to be able to harness emotion for, for telling stories with underlying truth, you know, and, and, and connect emotion to true numbers and, and kind of scientific thinking. I think, is, I think it's just an important thing for us to figure out how, how to do well.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting you you talk about empathy and emotion because a lot of times when people think about those sorts of emotions and connecting it with data, it's we're going to have a visualization, we're going to have a graphic or a series of graphics, but we're also going to talk to people and we're going to get their individual stories. And so you get that individual component to it. And I think you sort of have some different strategies. I think one of the strategies that you use in both pieces is this – vertical sort of scroll, I guess, if you will, or a pan um, where you sort of see this long trail of bars and and the new one of cubes. So can you talk a little bit about the strategies that you use to try to get that emotion and try to make those big numbers something that that really shocks the the viewer and gets them to care even more?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think that as you say, using kind of individual stories for the source of emotion is is, is an incre- extremely important thing for us to continue to do. And, and, and I don't want to belittle the importance of telling those kind of stories. I just, I just think that I would encourage folks who want to work with data to not necessarily feel like that, that's the road you have to go down to find the emotion, right? So there are just so many different kinds of emotions that we feel. If you just think about all the different kinds of music that you listen to uh, and all the different kinds of emotions that you feel and it doesn't necessarily always have to be individual empathy um, and so i think that when it comes to human loss if you think about you know certain really powerful war photographs sometimes you can you can you can look at a tragic image and part of it is feeling empathy for that character, but sometimes you also just at the spectacle of loss and at, at seeing a loss, it, it it can hit you, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so I think that thinking about emotion as lots of different kinds of emotion to work with, rather than always going towards the individual story, I think is is an important thing to to try to do. And so, in the case of panning the the camera across the, a huge amount of growing bars, in that way you're you're trying to make these big numbers feel bigger um, Mm. and you're trying to you can never possibly connect with a thousand lives at an individual truly empathetic way but you can feel the loss through other types of emotions that that can you know be powerful even if they're not you know seeing the world through somebody's eyes
0: yeah yeah it's really interesting the way you frame it and you're also adding in this drama to your documentaries and the emotion comes through from the narration and from the music that sits behind it. I just think it's really interesting the way you try to pull that emotional aspect in by using bar charts and using, you know, unit charts, essentially. Most of the charts, the data visualizations themselves are fairly simple Do you have a conscious thought process you go through of like, I can make this really complicated. I could show all these connections. Um, Like I think the nuclear one is a good example where you could show all these connections between countries and between uh, warheads and all this. But at its root, it ends up being a fairly simple set of visualizations. But you get the emotion through the film itself and through the music and through the narration on top of it.
1: Yeah, I am generally drawn towards more simple charts in in some ways because you know, Thinking about trying to appeal to wide audiences who aren't as well versed in, in looking at charts and and, and seeing the, and so If you are going to show a chart which is more complicated you often need to take the time To explain it to the audience and that can you know, it's hard to right. carry this carry this kind of emotional drama. So in the case of say uh, the the new one the the nuclear a War piece it opens with this that the, the main chart which will be used throughout the series is this it's basically a timeline of deaths. So how many people died per year? Uh, and then there's also the population pyramid of people who are alive and in that case That required some explanation, right? Because the I think this this looking at it kind of understanding that this is deaths per year going down Even in that case, I think it's worth spending the time like if a chart that's static has a little key Uh, To explain it to the audience and you know, the hope is how do you make explaining it in itself? Interesting, right? Mm -hmm. So in the fall of World War II, each unit represented a a thousand people. Okay. I want to explain that But how can how can the key itself be dramatic and interesting? So using a sphere of these figures all different types of people, you know different silhouettes of Old and young and men and women the kind of in a sphere to say okay, here's the here I'm explaining the model of this chart i'm I'm basically doing the key now of a static chart, but maybe that too can also have some cinematic drama. So mm-hmm. so generally speaking, the more complicated the chart, the more you're asking from from the audience in terms of how much they have to kind of orient themselves around what it is you're you're showing. Uh, and so that just kind of leads me to try to to show things that are more simple. and 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 unit charts are nice too, because you know in addition to kind of you can create other kind of charts with them, right? So you can create a unit chart and a bar chart together. Mm-hmm. and then you can do this cool thing where you rearrange them right and, and so i'm a big you know <laughs> it's a big thing that happens in a lot of these these films is there's a lot of rearranging of units right, right. and that's i'm pulled towards that because it, it looks cool to see something rearranged, and so you have this kind of you know uh hopefully real interesting to look at uh, eye candy if you will but it also seeing a chart rearranged to another it does also visually show you the relationship between the two right and so rearranging is something that kind of kills two birds with one stone where it's it's cool to look at but it also does it's not it's not empty eye candy it is communicating a a relationship between between two charts
0: Mm -hmm. you know the other thing that's interesting is the way you do those comparisons and i like the way they animate or more for transition i guess the best word from one graph type to another graph type but what i noticed that what you don't do is try to make comparisons to other things like take x thousand units and say this is you know it's like putting this many dollars in a box or something like that right like a good example is what we've seen from a lot of news coverage after Hurricane Harvey is like this is how much water we're talking about came down from from the hurricane you know it would you know it's a cube this big or it's a sphere this big and I noticed that in in your films you don't have those types of comparisons so does a documentary give you freedom? In some ways, to do these transitions um, between graph types, that doesn't force you to try to make these other comparisons. These I don't call I wouldn't call them necessarily goofy, but they're sort of different comparisons. They're like taking this metric and putting it in some other form. And sometimes I think people try to do that so it's something familiar with that we're familiar with, um, like the stack of dollar bills from here to the moon and back. Which you know I don't know what that means really, but um, I just noticed that you're not doing that in your films and I wonder if you've if you've made a conscious decision not to try to make those comparisons and instead do what I see more of, which is sort of the morphing and the panning and the zooming.
1: I guess I'm not against doing some of those comparisons. It's funny yeah. that in the case of the Houston example, I, I, I tweeted that that's, that cube of water, and then afterwards I I, I deleted it because I realized that <laughs> It kind of is a little misleading because it it actually is showing the amount of water over not just the Houston area, but all of Southeast Texas. But by showing it as above the Houston area, it almost miscommunicates what that water would look like, you know, distributed over all of Southeast Texas. So a lot of times that kind of happens when, you know, I think the underlying problem is you have something you want to show and you want um, to dramatize you know, what that weighs, you know, what, what could give some kind of a, a meaning mm-hmm. to these figures. And, and that. And so a lot of times I'm totally game for anything you can think of to, to give more meaning to numbers. It's just that oftentimes, you know, there's a cost sometimes to doing these these various tricks because it, uh you know, e- either you have a problem where you're replacing one thing that's kind of meaningless with another thing that you can't is also kind of meaningless. Uh, right, right. Uh, but, yeah, so that, that's oftentimes the game. I think when you're talking about human life, first accepting that you'll you'll never be able to really represent what a single life is, let alone a thousand or a million. So I think yes. that you're, I'm, you're kind of playing these games where at one end you are trying to kind of show relative scale, but at the same time you kind of have to surrender to the fact that you're never really going to have that connection. That's not something you can always really strive to do. Yeah. But it is kind of a game and it's not I, I don't there isn't necessarily an underlying truth behind um, making some of these comparisons because it's already so far from a connection to the to, to the real truth of human life. But but a lot of times, yeah, I admit, I, I do something to create an emotional impact uh, because that will resonate with folks. People are drawn to. Emotional stories and more likely to share them uh, and you're more likely to remember emotional stories So a lot of times I am doing something to create an emotional impact Not suggesting that there's always a connection between you know how you feel and, and the underlying truth so, you know, so in the case of these various comparisons I, I'm not against doing things that create more feeling of impact even if there is sometimes problems between the actual reality reality and, and, and how they and how they feel mm.
0: Yeah. No that's a that's a great point because I think a lot of those comparisons are billions of dollars or inches of rainfall and you can sort of play around and and it's not it doesn't have the same impact when you're talking about lives lost which I think is the topic that you're focused on so that makes sense to me. So I want to ask about the process that you go through when you when you make these films both in the in the terms of the tools that you use to create the the film but also as you go through are you uh running things by do you have other people that you bounce ideas off of because i could imagine when you're dealing with these serious issues of of human life and nuclear disaster that you can run a risk of offending someone or putting something in that you know may uh not ring true or may sort of you know, make things seem a little more trivial than than they really are. So can you talk a little bit about, about that process of both creation and the tools that you use, but also how you uh, go through the entire creation process and using other people's sounding boards? Yeah, so I I mean, I think that that point about not offending folks is
1: something that I am like in constant fear of to be honest. And <laughs> yeah. and so especially I mean I think you're when you're taking something which is as sensitive as, as human life and then you're yeah, adding right. you're adding you know a musical score to it. And and then even you're adding you know comp, you know cool looking computer graphics. So I'm often feeling like what I'm doing in its very essence is distasteful. Right. And so and and I struggle with that a lot. And so when especially when I'm working with with Andy, the, the, the my composer does the music and the sound, you know, the poor guy I'm, he's always like sending me a sound and he, he, and, and I'm like, oh God shoot, someone will hear that, it doesn't sound right, and it's gonna seem like you're not being respectful enough, like it's too graphic or it's too this yeah. and that. It's so subjective, so sometimes something I think will just sound like it's not being sensitive enough, but then if you have something ahead of that, suddenly it doesn't sound as bad afterwards, and so mm-hmm. it's very difficult when you're dealing with with questions of taste uh, and, and emotion and, and all these really sensitive issues to come up with any kind of set of rules or to know how to how to navigate this, and so it's something I'm just always worried about. And so uh, it's a matter of a um, when you come at, upon something fresh. So so a lot of times you're in the moment and you don't realize how bad something is until until you, <laughs> you, you, you give it two nights sleep and then you see the game. Like oh god, what was I thinking? Right. Or as you're saying, like showing it showing to other people and, and trying to get some feedback. I'm always begging folks for feedback. And the problem is, is that kind of feedback that you're talking about is is often the hardest feedback for people to give, you know. So, uh, it's just, it's the constant, it's just something that I'm constantly worried about. Uh, and so, and and I don't have I don't have a good answer for how do you avoid doing things that are not quite tasteful because yeah. it's so important yet so hard to to define uh, in any kind of you know set of set of real rules. Mm. But if you totally avoid the topic, or if you, so if you say, OK, I'm not even going to get into this and I'm not going to I'm not going to add a musical score or drama to something this serious. I'm just going to keep things really dry. That, that also ha- has, has problems, too, because then you could say, you know, a chart of, of World War Two deaths that's nice and clean and, and minimalistic. You could look at that and say, well, that's. That's not conveying the weight of, of what this represents enough. Like and, and so it is it is hard to kind of weigh those two things, like the very dry representation versus the more heavy and an mm. emotional one.
0: That's a really interesting point. Um that you can make the the static graph, if you will, of deaths, but is that is that in some ways also not reflecting the seriousness of the topic? and then you're adding narration and if you're if you're adding narration and, and music on top of it, you know, do you swing too far back the other way? I can I can see how that would be a, a constant concern. Um the other question I wanted to ask was why I, I called you up in the first place was uh our our Twitter spat on 3D. Um <laughs> so um now I know you use three D in the films, but I, I suspect it's for a different reason than why a lot of us uh, yell at people who are using 3D in their static charts. So, I mean, you've already mentioned some of your, your data viz approaches, but can you talk a little bit about breaking some of the rules that a lot of people say, here are the rules about data viz, you can't, you know, you can't break any of these, but you do break some of them and yet they work. And I think because you're in a different medium.
1: Yeah, and I think, and again, I want to say that, that a lot of this trolling I was doing to you on, on terms of 3D charts was, was in jest. And, and I do, and I think that yeah, yeah, yeah. Advi- advice that you give to folks to, to avoid using 3D is really good advice. And, and especially because, again, if, some, if you're adding eye candy for the sake of making it look cool without anything behind it, or sometimes, you know, this, you can go in all these examples of when 3D actually kind of obscures what it is you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I should also say that in the case of, say... Um, say the, the nuclear war the new piece it's in 3d but then it's pretty quick to then flatten out those cubes so now right. it becomes yeah. a, a 2d chart because 3 is just not so it's, it's good advice to to avoid doing that um so in the case of of breaking those rules you know in in, in part it's to as i said big things feel bigger which is something i'm often trying to do in part is to kind of create this cinematic drama that i'm i'm oftentimes trying to do but always being wary of of the you know the dangers when you start breaking these rules because you don't want that to get in the way of the underlying information that you're trying to convey uh, you don't want to make things harder to understand so yes yeah, so if you're going to break rules uh just always be conscious that as long as there's something on your shoulder telling you don't do this then it, it, at least at least you, you're, you're aware of the problem you could be getting into as you do it but if it if it does serve a purpose that is beyond just the eye candy factor then I say at times why give it a shot and see what happens yeah
0: yeah um before we go can you talk about what you're thinking about and and what you hope your schedule might be or the, for the next set of these
1: yeah a lot of that depends on time and resources and it's it's just a hard I'm just continue to struggle to figure out how to do this uh so um I'm going to be kind of bound and trying to do a little bit of, of client work uh, in addition to uh, my own work, and I'm trying various you know fundraising tactics from from Patreon campaigns to uh, to allowing people to optionally purchase a, a view a viewing ticket. All this really tacky tacky stuff, but it, it is it, it is it just kind of me trying to figure out how can I you know remain independent and and, and do these these products I'm so uh, passionate about, uh, but also kind of you know figure out. Economically, how to make it work. So uh, it really depends on on that. So I would like to just go straight into the next one and have a schedule where I can produce them once a year. Is kind of like a goal to have have a new one every year. They do take a long time, no matter you know how how you slice it or how much how many resources I have. Um, and 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 it and it could stretch out past that depending on how much time I can devote to them.
0: Right. Right. Well, I think they're, uh, they're both great. Um, the fallen and the shadow piece. And, uh, uh, I hope folks will, uh, will support them both. Um, so Neil, thanks for coming on the show. It's been, it's been really interesting. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. Uh, and thanks to everyone for tuning in uh, please make sure you check out Neil's pieces the Fallen the shadow piece uh, please support him he has a patreon page where he's looking for support so please go out and do that and I'll put a bunch of links that we talked about in the show on the show notes page if you'd like to support the policy Viz podcast please uh, rate the show and review the show on your favorite podcast provider uh, i now have t-shirts uh, on sale on the policy viz website so if you'd like to help support the show to uh, support all the great guests uh, that i have and coming up uh, there's sound editing to take care of there's uh, web support uh, there's all sorts of things so uh, any support is appreciated so uh, i hope you enjoyed this week's episode please do watch the show please do reach out with questions or comments or suggestions so until next time this has been the policy viz podcast thanks so much for listening